happy Queen's birthday. Or the, sorry, the opposite. <laughs> How did you spend the, uh, the day, the day off? Did you get a day off? Mm-hmm. I usually take most bank holidays off, but I was kind of slightly concerned about taking this one because it was so last minute and I'm going on holiday next week that I felt like I needed to make sure like I'm not behind the ball. Your affairs are in order? Yeah, my affairs are in order. <laughs> Turned out we didn't need to do anything today. Just we went silent for the day just because no one's going to be looking at anything we do anyway. And also, even if we yeah. try, someone's going to be like, oh, it's so insensitive. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I was like glad to not do anything. Did you watch so, the funeral? No. I was no, prepping for next week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, no offense to anyone who cares. But, you know, it's like I feel like I have the best explanation to not care. I'm American. <laughs> I'm a real American. You're Hulk Hogan. You fight for the right of every man. For sure. Fight for what's right. Fight for your right. I hate Hulk Hogan. <laughs> but Fair there's enough. Americans who, for whatever reason, are really into the monarchy. And I guess that was uh, Disney. And if you want to hear more <laughs> about Disney, head over to patreon.com forward slash the PCC podcast, where we just recorded a very fun episode about how Disney ruins people's lives and their childhoods and stuff or something like, I don't know. Yeah, I, didn't, like I never that. actually said anything about that, but um, no, we, you know, could, we got, you could, we didn't really get to that. a point, but it was funny. Yeah. yeah, yeah there's no point. <laughs> You're saying it now. Yeah. And that's not even really how I feel about Disney. I, to be honest, I don't give a shit. <laughs> and that really wasn't what the episode was about anyway. It really wasn't. <laughs> um, but yeah, we were talking about the new po- Pinocchio film, if you want to hear that. Because Phil and I Pinocchio. recently, uh, in this in this arc, you know, we were talking and about Jonathan the said some, Pinocchio films. Yeah, he said some controversial things, saying how it's probably the best version since the JTT one. Even better. Like, you know, even somehow. <laughs> no, those are putting words in my mouth that were never um, said. Um, mm. But anyway, yeah. What are we doing here, Phil? Good morning, Patrocinicus. This is your host, John the Foster, and I am here with my bubblegum shrimp boy, Phil. That's like, I, that's all I'm going to say because about that. <laughs> um, because <laughs> you should say yeah. that after everything. Yeah, because like. I'm not going to touch any of, end. any of the stuff that could have been said because it's offensive. I could have called you like, you know, my low IQ boy or something like that. But mm. you know, it's, not, it's not funny. Like your little, what what does, he ha- what does he have at the beginning of the movie? Okay, oh, Phil, yeah. you just wanted to get into it already. I mean, we could do that, you know. <laughs> we'll just skip all the bullshit. Skip all this you preamble. Know, life shit. is short, you know. Yeah. A 96-year-old woman just died. Maybe we should. <laughs> maybe we should. Um, you doing all right, Phil? I'm doing all right. How are you? <laughs> you, you, like, not feeling too bad about the queen's death or anything? No, I don't care. Yeah. Um, I mean, to be honest, we shouldn't have even said anything about it because I like. To I had to have these episodes. That's all I've been thinking about today. And this is all all you got to bring up. I didn't want to talk about that. <laughs> okay, from now on, I will only talk about the Forrest Gump themed restaurant that I love that yeah. is no longer open in London. So it technically won't be evergreen. But that, that's all I'm. That's, that's all I have to anymore? say. That, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> it's not open anymore. <laughs> Dude, don't even get me started on my just lifelong affection 
you know, love for bubblegum shrimp. Okay. Which is a Forrest Gump themed restaurant. Phil, I'm not getting you started on it, so stop. Okay, stop well, right. all right. Well, I won't even I won't even start. I won't even start. No, go ahead. <laughs> so I first discovered this in a little place called uh, New York um, City, if you've heard of it. Mm-hmm. When I went, I guess when I was like 13 with my brother, and we had dinner at a very funny looking restaurant in the middle of Times Square called Bubba Gump Shrimp. And I was like, oh, this is Forrest Gump themed. How weird. That's so strange. And I was like, really? Forrest Gump of all movies? Okay. It, it's great. It's like it's like a shrimp and grill restaurant. Everything's like wood board and the walls are covered in 59 and like very like Americana restaurant and flagged everywhere. But there's also like photos and like behind the scenes shot from the movie that like props memorabilia. Um, the quotes from the movie everywhere. Like the food, when you get the food, the food is coated in like a, a newspaper and a newspaper like from the movie. Yeah. Um, they have TVs everywhere that are playing the movie nonstop, <laughs> like on, not like on mute, but like just, so if you look that way, you're like halfway through the movie and you look that way and you're at the end, you look that way. It's just starting at the ping pong table. They have the bench you could take a picture on. And I just loved it. The food was actually great. Everything is themed. Everything is like forest favorite, the Bubba special, you know, Jenny Margarita, whatever. And like, I love novelty restaurant and this is just one of the better ones. Yeah. And then like years later, they opened one in London mm-hmm. and it was just a dream come true. And me and Dusty have been several times. We love that place. It was like a tradition for us to go. Um, and we'd always get the same thing and we'd get, we'd get fucked up on Long Island night teeth because um, they were really strong. But tragically, for some reason, I don't think they, it's just gone out of business as like, a whole. Because I think there's bubbles gumps like everywhere in the world. But the, it could, I could only tell online that the London one seemed to be the only one to close down or it's been at least bought out by, now it's just called the Leicester Square fucking shrimp and grill, whatever. Like a really generic name. Huh. And it's horrible. They've just gutted it. So they've just gone in and taken everything down but still kept the like decor. There's still like a ping pong table, but there's no reason for it because it's not Forrest Gump themed. Weird. Like, you know, they used to have a guy dressed as a giant shrimp outside, yeah. like handing out flyers. Like it was one of my favorite restaurants and now I can't even look at it. It makes me so sad. I walk by it all the time and I, like, I haven't even noticed. That it's, it's trying not... to trick you. Yeah, exactly. it's strange. Like I, I've not noticed, um, but I do remember, you know, it being a, Bubble, I, to be honest, I've never had bubblegum shrimp, but I know it's it was created um, out of like you know Paramount, like a, as a partnership with them in another like you know restaurant company or whatever. But like Paramount used to do the greatest things like that, like back in the day, which was awesome. Like so, like you know these weird themed things. So Paramount used to have these like theme parks. So I mean, I guess they still do, like Kings Dominion and stuff, and Carowinds, which are like these uh, Paramount owned like theme parks in America mm. around about where I'm from. And they always have amazing like themed restaurants and shit, like in rides and stuff. Like there was a Wayne's world, like oh, that's themed sick. ride in, in uh, I think in Carowinds maybe, or it might've been Kings of Minion, I can't remember, but basically like called the hurler. And it was just like, 
Wayne's World bullshit and Aerosmith like all over it and everything. It was like fucking hilarious, you know. But um, yeah, I've never been a bubblegum shrimp. It's a shame. It's sad. I mean, I mean, next time maybe you're in the U.S., maybe there'll be someone come around. <laughs> but like, look, like, yeah, you Dusty got, got me this last <laughs> Christmas. It's a little yeah. Louis, I believe they called it, with yeah. the little yeah, shrimp mascot. That's yeah. a, it's no joke. It means a yeah. lot to me, and it's gone, Jonathan. Well, I'm sorry. It's gone. I didn't do anything about it. You know, I, I mean, I, I had nothing to do with it. You like, didn't do anything about it. I didn't it. do anything and about I'm, it either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Phil. I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> All right. Um. Well, Phil, I got something to cheer you up. Or maybe give you more anxiety because, uh, hey, we're going to be live at the Prince Charles Cinema on Friday, the 28th of October. Oh, can I bring Louis? Phil's going to bring Louis, ladies and gentlemen. And you can join us as we present two spookies and one spoof. That's a feature, a triple feature of 90s teen horror classic Scream. And I know what you did last summer, followed by the turn of the millennium parody that took on those two films and a whole slew of others like The Matrix and bullshit like that scary movie we'll be uh taken to the stage to intro each film in the mini marathon so you don't want to miss it because there's inevitably going to be people there who have no idea that we were even going to be there or who we are and it's going to be embarrassing and that all kicks off at <laughs> once again on friday the 28th of october get your tickets at princecharlescinema.com uh let's just get into it phil because we've already started last week we discussed one of the heavy hitters in terms of Vietnam films with Stanley Kubrick's Full Metal Jacket. Now, what time is it, Phil? It's time for war. What is it good for? Yelling from the street, apparently. (laughs) Sounds like a fight breaking out. Mm -hmm. So that's what it's good for. Yeah, fight. And of of course, Hollywood. Hollywood movies. Hollywood movies. Hollywood movies. Listen to me. So yeah, last week we learned how the Marines turned boys into killing machines and how Kubrick's anti-war film Full Metal Jacket, particularly the iconic Gunny, played by the late R. Lee Emery, actually managed to inspire a whole generation of young Marines. Now, what could be our final week in Nam, especially before we take a four-week break to talk about spooky ookies? We set our eyes on the ultimate, the creme de la creme of war films. <laughs> Probably just in general too, right, Phil? Just in general, just creme de la creme of films in general. Yeah. What would happen if you just sailed through life without a care in the world, just stumbling through every major U.S. and world events by sheer and stupid luck? Phil, I say stupid is as stupid does. (laughs) What movie are we likely closing out our Vietnam War section of our war Likely closing out, wasn't it? Yeah, because we never um, did actually decide, and we, you know, we put it out to the audience. But I think that episode hasn't dropped yet. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we'll uh, yeah, let us know if we should continue our war arc. 
with Viet- more Vietnam films. More Vietnam. Um, it's for Forrest Goop. That's <laughs> <laughs> not bad. On the right, actually. My name is Forrest. Pat on the back. Forrest Gump. Twenty-five years ago, one movie captured the imagination of audiences everywhere and inspired a generation. Forrest Gump. Winner of six Academy Awards, including Best Picture. There's lemon shrimp. Coconut shrimp, shrimp soup, shrimp stew. <laughs> My mom always said life was like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Mama made me these magic shoes. I got my magic Mama shoes. Did. Mama take some. They take. Mama said these shoes will take me. Take me anywhere. (laughs) You know, I don't remember a lot of things. I don't remember the day I was born. You know what I was doing. (laughs) (laughs) I do remember my first pair of shoes. I'm not a smart man, but I know what love is. So we'll definitely yeah, talk about that. I feel that. like this whole episode is literally just going to be us like quoting the film. Uh, I don't even know why I did yeah. anything. But um, Yeah, no, there's no research needed for yeah. this one. In case you've been living under a rock and you don't know about the greatest film of all time. Uh, it's the greatest film ever made. Forrest Gump. You, know, you, should, you need to go. Yeah. Played by Tom Hanks, an Alabama man. Alabama man. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Greenbow, Alabama. Alabama, man. He likes the bowl and he beat his wife. He's an Alabama man. <laughs> Do you remember that? He's South a Park? man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's an Alabama man. I'm just thinking of the William Regal old theme song. Yeah. He's a man. Do, you want, do I need to do this in, in a southern accent? To I would you? prefer if you did, yeah. Okay. Forrest Gump, played by Forrest Gump, played by Tom Hanks. (laughs) He's an Alabama man from Greenbow, Alabama. Greatest line (laughs) delivery of all time. Yep. Blessed with many things, including a low IQ. (laughs) Blessed with a low IQ? Yeah, of course. I wrote that. Never thought of himself as disadvantaged. Thanks to the supportive mother, played by Sally Field, Forrest (laughs) goes on to accomplish many great things in life. These include teaching Elvis how to dance, dominating on the gridiron as a college football star, winning the Medal of Honor, which for some reason they call the Congressional Medal of Honor, which isn't a thing. It's just called the Medal of Honor in Vietnam. And we know that because we're in the Army now. Yeah, and I'm smart. Improving (laughs) America and Chinese relations through ping pong. Uncovering the Watergate scandal. Becoming... A captain of a shrimp boat, creating the smile of face, investing in Apple computers, going on a run that inspired the nation, writing a bumper sticker, and meeting <laughs> the president countless times. I don't know why I got so hot. It's just like so patriotic. Yeah. Get me oh, so hot. Get so riled up talking about Forrest Gump. Get me going. But Be all this was irrelevant, Phil. I tell you this to Forrest, who could only think of his childhood sweetheart the troubled jenny 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 robin <laughs> right 
Despite all he has achieved, his one true love eludes him. It's the 1994 slice of American Pie written. <laughs> I forgot I wrote that. I forgot I wrote that down. It's a 1994 slice of American Pie written by Eric Roth, who's written many things like Ali, Munich, The Curious Cage of Benjamin Button, A Star's Born 2018, Dune. The most recent one and killers <laughs> he's writing the killers of the flower moon what a fucking lineup of films this man has written Whoa. by god watch out for this one on the 1986 novel of the same name by winston groom and directed by robert zemeckis who by god zemeckis. can't fucking direct himself out of a fucking box anymore <gasps> apparently yeah, he can't direct for shit based on that <laughs> sorry excuse of a movie called pinocchio over there on Disney Plus. And by God, I believe Tom Hanks, who, spoilers, won an Oscar for Forrest Gump, can't fucking act worth a shit anymore either. I, I don't really care. I, he's done enough. So has the Mechus. It doesn't matter. Hot takes out the gag, Phil. Forrest, <laughs> I love the, the, the actor when, obviously, top of the line, but it sounded like you were, like, losing your teeth halfway through. Yeah. <laughs> it just... I think like you get a better like southern draw if you pretend like you an, don't have taste sometimes. Yeah, like an old man. You yeah. got that you got that sly whistle yeah, sometimes coming out. Yeah, sometimes got a whistle. Yeah, because like, you know, where I'm from sometimes, you know, you lose your teeth because you drink too yeah. much whiskey and moonshine. You chew too much tobacco. Yeah, chewing tobacco, tobacco straight off the leaf. You know, it just grows right <laughs> up out of the ground there in Virginia. It just grows right back. Anyway, <laughs> just doing a whistle after a pause, which is funny. Like it, I said, it just grows up right out of the ground where I'm from. <laughs> Why? Why did I do that? That's just how I talk. Uh, That's just how we talk down here in Greenbow, Alabama. Phil, what do you think of Forrest Gump? Well, firstly, didn't know it was based off a novel. Oh yeah, you asked about it, and I'll get into it. But um, before right, we do, uh, but I feel like fucking, I would have to be writing for fuck. Like you missed an obvious joke there. You should have written it under a pseudonym, Forrest Gump. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's right. It so it could have been Forrest Gump by Forrest Gump. Yeah, who the fuck is Winston Groom? I don't give a yeah, shit. Yeah, who the Forrest fuck gives a shit about Winston Groom? Mm-hmm. Um. You know what else was good about Bubba Gump? You know, like, usually you have to... You said enough. <laughs> no. Right, it's going to keep coming. Look, you know, like, most fucking restaurants, you have to, like, make awkward eye contact with the waiter to get their, their attention, and you feel mm-hmm. bad because they're busy. This motherfucker had it figured out, right? There's a thing on every table, um, a sign that you can flip back and forth. One side of the sign said, run, for it, run. And you leave that on normally, meaning we're fine. Yeah, and then you turn it and stop for a stop, and then the waiter's like, "Stop for a stop, what you need?" And then you're like, "Sometimes they put on an accent, it's weird." And then you're like, "Could we get the mayor?" And they're like, "Yes." Could you flip the sign back? And we're like, "Yes." I, I mean, just wanted that, to mention that. I mean, that's I, you cool. know how fucking convenient is that? You don't have to ask for the bill. Like if you're in a hurry, you fucking flip that shit down. Someone with you right away. Now, Phil, if I open up a a restaurant out in the middle, a can of whoop ass out in the middle of, uh, out in the middle between America and between the UK. Do you think I can get some like service that isn't fucking bonkers? Like, you know, cause 
in the UK, you don't get service, really. I mean, flat out. Yeah. It's just like because they, they well, bring your not, shit. I mean, well, we don't have the tipping culture here. Yeah. So in America, they work so hard. Like you're yeah. like you waited and ushered and everyone like that. So fucking nice in America. But it's almost too much. Living off it. It's too much. Sometimes it's, it's like, leave me alone. Could it that thing like of like, alone, yeah. Yeah, like your mouth full of food. They're like, everything all right? And you're like, yeah, fucking great. Yeah. It's like, now I look ridiculous. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You just, you. Can't, you just can't make me look like half. a fucking asshole. Yeah. Sorry. <sighs> Get hot. Phil, fucking stop talking about this fucking restaurant. <laughs> it's not over. It's over, Phil. It's dead. It's, it's coming done. back. It's I'm going to be at the, I'm gonna be at the two spooky than a booth screening, just petitioning for them to <laughs> You're reopen. not going to come in. You're just going to be over there. <laughs> Like with the fucking sign. That's the yeah, yeah. I'm not going to be doing through. the intro. I'm yeah, just going to be by right. the door arcing for signatures. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll do it. I'll handle it. Oh, uh, what do you think Thank about you. this this movie? The, the movie. It's the greatest movie ever made. <laughs> Dude, it really is in a way. It is. Sort of it kind of is. It? it kind of like, is, but it also is like the dumbest. It movie has ever everything. Made. It's like it's both at the same time, so, so simultaneously. Somehow, the fucking stupidest movie ever fucking made. Yet. Also, the greatest fucking movie ever. <laughs> this is the thing with Forrest Gump. It gets such a bad rep, and I yeah. don't really know why. I'm assuming it's just like years of backlash. It's like one of those, again, spoilers, best picture winners that I think people, you know, say shouldn't have. It was 94. It should have gone to like Pulp Fiction or something. No, uh, well, it could no, have. Uh, the, the thing that it really should have, that people were saying should have won, Shawshank. People are saying Shawshank. Oh, that was a fuck. big year. So you have Pulp Fiction and Shawshank up against Forrest Gump and Best Picture. Yeah, Fair enough. it probably okay. it probably should have gone to one of those two because they are clearly <laughs> yeah. like better pictures in terms of the thing. But Forrest Gump was like magical, wasn't it? It was like one of those films that took the world by storm. It is <laughs> it magical, and you can see people all over the world enjoy it, and yeah. they've remade it in India and stuff. It's like. <laughs> <Why? laughs> <laughs> yeah, Again, over there why. on Patreon, if you want to hear my thoughts of half of that fucking movie, you uh, need to hear it. And also, it's it. a great story involved. Just, it's it's, it's one of story. the greatest going to the cinema stories ever told. Um, much like yeah. one of you know, <laughs> Forrest is. Gump is like one of the greatest stories ever told. So, yeah, it's almost biblical, yeah. and it you know, it's like <sighs> there's something magical about. It. And look, I would argue. That it's one of the few best picture winners, winners to actually remain relevant, and it's still yeah. kind of an iconic movie, and it's something people can reference, and it's part of like the cultural conversation. Everybody knows what Forrest mm. Gump is, even if you've never seen it. You've seen a count, countless amount of parody for, from it, and it's just such a strange movie. Yeah, it's so like we like you were saying on the Patreon episode. It feels like they would never make this now, even though they just did. They just remade it. <laughs> But you know, I it worked for me. It's silly and it is. It's funny and it's sweet and it's emotional. It's got a banging soundtrack. Yeah, it's got yeah. a great cast. It's fucking and I like I I just like movies that like show a life. I really get off on movies like that. It just I really enjoy like watching someone like grow up and go through all these sort mm. of um trials and tribulations and you know, get to a sort of ending. Yeah. And yeah. It's why I like Benjamin Button, like speaking of Eric Roth. Um, obviously does it very differently, does it backwards. Um, the and same movie. With a CG Just old backwards. man. <laughs> the same McNag movie, but less jokes. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's ridiculous. 
and all of those words, but it, it's amazing. It's great. And inside of it, it's possibly the greatest war film ever. It's made. crazy, isn't it? Like, we'll obviously get into the war bits, and I think we should save that for its own little section because we are clearly in the war season, and we are. This is why this we're, is talking, why we're about talking about it, just movie. so you know. Yeah, man, this movie is like crazy. It's, uh, like I said, it's, it's simultaneously one of the greatest and worst movies ever made. Like, because it is so <laughs> fucking so stupid, quotable. but it is, it is quotable as fuck. And it's like yeah. fun to watch. I don't even mean that. Like, like to be honest, it's really easy this film like literally could have been shat on completely and turned into like one of those fucking schlocky, like, I can't believe this movie was made. Like, you know, we're going to quote along mm. to it, like at a fucking cinema at midnight sort of films and I would believe it if you told me like I, you know I went into a coma in 19 you know I was a grown man and went into a coma in 1993 woke up in 2022 and uh somehow still alive and I like you know was told oh you should check out this film that Tom Hanks did you remember him I was like oh yeah Turner and Hooch yeah I remember him <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> out of he all the Tom Hanks simpleton before, who meets the president you're gonna bring up Turner and Hooch oh sorry um, <laughs> yeah Turner oh from Dragnet yeah, yeah, yeah. of course uh, <laughs> like a Joe versus the volcano uh, yeah so uh, I, I like uh, put I, I get told that like yeah yeah Tom Hanks did this really trash movie it was you know huge budget and he goes around doing all this fucking crazy shit involved in every single fucking major event in US history goes to Vietnam, does all this crazy stuff. And then, you know, people shout all over it. And now we like quote along to it. Cause it's got some of the greatest quotes. I'd be like, yeah. All right. Yeah. Cause like, I buy it, it easily could be, that's the type of movie we're dealing with here. Yeah. I will say I could watch the fuck out of this movie. Anytime it's on though. It's almost kind of like one of those perfect yeah. movies in that way. But anytime it's on, you can watch it. I do think. And even though it gives you some funny moments, it's about like 20 minutes too long. And it's literally it's a, it's just the end boy. of the fucking movie. Yeah. That like as soon as Force goes a sad bit. goes fucking running, even though there's some funny bits in it, I just I just don't It happens. I'm, what? Yeah, Shit. I'm just I'm I done guess. by that point. Like it's like, okay, just yeah. skip all the to best, the end. Best all the best stuff, stuff has happened. Just close it out. Like when Jenny comes back, that should have just been it. Like he should oh, god damn. Anyway. It's it, it, it borderline. Remember Tropic Thunder? Yeah, yeah. Remember the movie Ben Stiller does? Yeah. Simple Jack. Never going full. Yeah. Yeah. It's like he won an Oscar. He never go full. You know, he was a goddamn yeah. war hero. He's, he may, he might've been dumb. Sean Penn, I am Sam. But he was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing is this, like Forrest Gump is like modern American, f- like myth making in a way. It's weird. Like it's. It's fantasy, pure fantasy, but. I feel like it's for an older generation of maybe not actually because it's kind of it's a timeless thing and that's kind of what it's getting at. But I, I can imagine you, if you'd lived long enough at that point to have been witness to all those events, that's what it could feel like that you were a part of it. And so it's a nice sort of like, you know, walk down memory lane. Yeah, I think it was. It came out the perfect time. Like I think if it came out today, you would have to like modernize it and you'd probably, it would just be like cut off at the heels as well as, you know, there's some things that I didn't mention in the, uh, cause I kind of forgot about it. Cause I didn't really bring up Rupa, which is the character that is playing Jenny, like the Jenny <laughs> character in the Indian Forrest Gump. Oh, so they, the Jenny, like, yeah. they really cut the heels off of a lot of like, of stuff 
the darkness the, and the, the sadness. The darker of, element. I mean, it's got a little bit in the Indian version, but like she's clearly in this film, like being fucking molested by her father. Yeah, she. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And she turned yeah. into a drug addict. And in it, it's a really dark the, story. It doesn't shy I didn't away get from far that. enough in the Indian Forrest Gump spoiler. I only watched half the film, but go listen to that episode on Patreon. It's fucking fucking. Do you think funny. she? So I don't really know if she went yeah. down the road of drugs and stuff, but she did like. Tr- I think they were like getting into the like. Oh, she's like. I don't know if she was going to be in like movies or something. She wanted to be like a movie star and stuff, and she obviously was getting hooked up with the wrong crowd and shit. And she had like mm-hmm, appeared nude mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. something, which was frowned upon, obviously in that culture. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, I don't really know where they're going, but it's, they cut the hills off this, this film's really dark at times, uh, Forrest Gump. Um, oh yeah. Just look at Lieutenant Dan, man. But I think it's, it's, uh, I think it was made at the perfect time where you could really capitalize on all those major events where there'd be like a large group of people who would know what was going on. And then the younger generations like myself, uh, would have still been, aware of what some of these events were or could have been clued in by your parents of like what happened at that time and stuff. Um, anyway, mm. you know, like I said, it's a modern American myth making in a way it's like in the spirit of all those like old tall tales and like, you know, you had the giant lumberjack, Paul Bunyan and babe, the blue ox. You have Pecos bill who tamed the wild mm. west. John Henry. I tornadoes that he rode like a horse. You had like Johnny Appleseed, who traveled out west to plant apple <laughs> trees everywhere. And you had great characters like Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn from the pages of Mark Twain, all of, all the way to modern day, you know, in 2020 when, you know, the election was stolen from Donald Trump. All, all fucking, all myths. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I did mention <laughs> that uh, the film was based on <laughs> the uh, 1986 novel by the same, of the same name by Winston Groom. So, the film primarily focused on the first 11 chapters of the novel before skipping ahead to the end of the novel with the founding of Bubblegum Shrimp Company and meeting of Forrest Jr. In addition to skipping some parts of the novel, uh, the film adds several aspects to Gump's life that didn't occur in the novel, such as the needing of leg braces as a child and the run across the United States. So none of those happened in the novel. Uh, the screenplay also differs from the book and other elements, it does not identify Forrest as a person. So you're asking about what does Forrest have? So they never really like talk about this in the film other than he has a low IQ. In the book, Forrest Gump is a person who is identified as a savant, or the old-fashioned term would have been idiot savant. a uh, Someone who has savant mm. syndrome, which would have been like on the autism spectrum. And he clearly had gifts in certain aspects where he might not have been socially functionable like a normal like you know t- a neurotypical person but like you know mm. if he excelled in excelled other things, in running uh it sanitizes <laughs> his sex life and reduces the profanities that Forrest expresses in the book so he's a pretty raw character in the book and according to winston Groom, oh. the movie took some of the rough edges off and also you know that he uh envisioned the character being played by the actor john goodman wow that would have been very different holy shit Forrest was meant to be a mountain of a man standing at six foot six i should have been goddamn forrest gump i should i'm six six come on 
Hollywood, get off your asses. All right. Oh, this is really hot right now. But Hollywood, get off your asses. Fucking, you know, Disney, you know, come on, remake Zemeckis. Zemeckis. Come on, you're remaking shit. Disney's remaking shit. You know, do they own Paramount now? Yeah. Probably. Who knows? Um, remake it. TGI remake. Forest as the mountain of a man, like the book. You know, does does anyone want to make like the actual book version, and we can get in trouble? Sort of like you know that what was that fucking like Joker film that's getting made. That's my next film. Um, <laughs> you you can make me the actual like mountain of the man, Forrest Gump, but like you can yeah, already do, the, can accent. do the accent. I could improve my accent as well. I'm kind of fucking around. You can swear. Yeah, I can fucking swear and stuff. I can swear. <laughs> Could you imagine Tom Hanks running around being like, listen to me, Jenny, goddamn shit. <laughs> uh, in addition, the movie does not include Forrest Gump's time. So this is all the stuff he does in the novel. In prison? <laughs> Maybe. He could have. I don't know. He, he goes to space as an astronaut working with NASA. That's too far. He also has careers in boxing. Phil. Pro wrestling? Oh, shit, dude. Oh my god, this is early 90s. You could have had like him face off against Luger or something. Yeah. And he also is a chess Dang. chess whiz, so that's one of his like, you know, I guess savant skills. It mm. also dropped his time uh running for Senate, where he used the slogan, I gotta pee, as his like slogan. Uh <laughs> I, I think that's fair. You already we already said the film was too long. If they had added all yeah. of those as well, like just keep it. He smokes some weed. Uh, and he hangs out with cannibals, and he also smoked the hang- marijuana cigarette. He also hangs out with an ape named Sue. Oh my god, I need to read this. Essentially, Tom Hanks's entire filmography just ain't got shit on Forrest Gump in the book, you know. Pretty, pretty, yeah, pretty much all the you know. But did um, Forrest Gump ever you know have a one hit wonder band in sixty? True, I think I not. Think not, but neither did Tom not. Hanks. He managed one, though. He managed one. Yeah. Um, the novel initially sold an estimated 30,000 copies. But after the movie came out, that number would go up to over a million. And Groom <laughs> would end up writing the follow-up Gump and Company. <gasps> There's a sequel. Dude, there we go. Let's make the fucking yeah. sequel. And in 1995, the Bubba Gump Shrimp Company would do like a book, basically. Like, like a, a cookbook? Book. And he wrote the like uh, intro for it or something, but that has nothing to do with the restaurant chain, which opened up a year later. You know what else is good? What's good about the restaurant chain? It that they do this thing. <laughs> <laughs> this thing, you know, sometimes you would you sit at your table, and before you get like started on drink, they would give you a quiz. Mm-hmm. a Bubba Gump, like a Forrest Gump themed quiz. Yeah, and fucking, you know, me. And, and Dusty, we've seen the movie a hundred times. It's just it's easy. You knock the shit out of the park and you get a discount on your meal. Nice. That's cool. I I went to um I went to play mini golf once and got a hole in one and won a free game. <laughs> I'm not as impressive, but okay. It's way better. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I said that. I just wanted to like try just to want to one up me. All right. Uh, okay. I was thinking about pirates or something i don't know there was pirate themed things where i was at where i played mini golf anyway (laughs) you like pirates we know forrest gump is uh you know it's a film that's known for its special effects and at the time even though they look a bit silly today 
They're a bit dated. Zemeckis, Zemeckis's uh, decision to superimpose Forrest over actual historical footage was actually seen as groundbreaking. Uh, screenwriter Eric Roth apparently had even more special effects planned. He told Yahoo that he pushed the envelope with certain see- certain things, like he had Jenny. She was always going to have like angels w- wings, and then <laughs> then like he had Lieutenant Dan with like a cloud over his head, like it was always going to rain. He said there was like 12 of those things that he just completely overwrote. He said, I probably went too crazy and Bob started taking back what he thought was too much and just started like, dude, <laughs> get the shit out of your script, man. What the fuck's going on? Uh, prior to Robert Zemeckis, the helming the director's chair, Terry Gilliam passed on it and Barry Sonfeld was attached, but he left to go direct Adam's Family Values. So here we go. I feel like we always have been an like interesting choice. Weird weaving like overlap. sort of things. Because like last week we were talking about um, Full Metal Jacket, and I was talking about Men in Black, and Barry Sonnenfeld like directed Men in Black. No, just I'm reaching, Phil. I'm reaching. Uh, <laughs> well, let's get into the cast. Obviously, we have Tom Hanks as Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. That's one thing I'm surprised they didn't do. Sorry, like him like stumble into Rontwell and be abducted by aliens. <laughs> Fuck it, yeah. you know? That feels like something that would happen, you know? Yeah. Just like, you're too weird and sends it back down. Uh, John Travolta was apparently, like, the original choice to play this. So, you know, he was on his precipice of his comeback. and mm-hmm. He had just done Look Who's Talking Now. <laughs> he's going to come back up next week as well. Spoilers. But um, mm-hmm. John Travolta, like, he's he's on the verge of his comeback. And he was the original choice to play Forrest Gump, but he passed on the role and he's called it a mistake. Uh, Obviously he would go on that year to star in Pulp Fiction and that would really like catapult him into back into the, you know, the forefront in Hollywood and resurrect his career. But yeah, it's weird. I can't imagine uh, John Travolta playing this role. To be honest, I can't imagine anyone playing it. Guys, you got to let me play ping pong. (laughs) I can't imagine anyone but Tom Hanks playing it. You know, like it's just yeah, it's, that's Tom. The Hanks one and only. Uh, Bill Murray and Chevy Chase were also considered, like to be, I guess, a little bit more comedic with it. Maybe Bill Murray, but you're just doing like what? How do we make? He needs to be likable. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Both of those guys like would struggle. I mean, Bill Murray's more so than Chevy Chase for sure, but they're both kind of like curmudgeonly, like sort of asshole characters at times that you kind of like love to hate and hate to love, you know, sort of <laughs> Sean Penn was a heavy favorite as well. Well, but I mean, he, you know, ended up doing his own Forrest Gump years later. So it doesn't matter. I don't know if you saw that film. <laughs> I am Sam. I am Sam. I've seen it. Yeah. Uh, he's, yeah. he's basically doing his own Forrest Gump. Yeah. So yeah. Tom Hanks Probably revealed <laughs> that he signed on to do the film after like an hour and a half of reading the script. And he signed up uh, to star in the movie. Like he, you know, he basically opted out of receiving a salary and instead wanted a portion of the film's earnings. So he basically just banked on it being a hit. And Zemeckis and Tom Hanks apparently had paid for a couple of scenes out of pocket because Paramount wouldn't give them the extra money for it. And in turn, they would get a higher percentage of the earnings. And it turned out to be a fantastic move on his part because, you know, when the movie came out, of course, it's a huge hit. 
And it's estimated by some reports that he has earned over $65 million all time over, over the years off of Forrest Gump. Damn. Done? Yeah. He initially wanted to ease Forrest Gump's pronounced Southern accent, but was eventually persuaded by Robert Zemeckis to betray the heavy accent stressed in the novel. And Hanks apparently struggled in the first few days of shooting. And he said there's like three days of unusable footage of him just trying to figure out how to play the character. <laughs> but the, the main thing was that he focused on the young Forrest. So there's Michael Connor Humphreys, who played the young Forrest in the film. And the casting team was particularly taken by him because his thick Southern accent. And basically, Tom Hanks just like hung out with this kid a lot. And they, I think they recorded conversations with them and they were just like goofing around and stuff. And he figured out how to play this kid to a point where he emulated his speech. He emulated his mannerisms, the way he walked, the way he sat, the way he looked around. He just like did all of that. And that's how he perfected Forrest Gump. And it's something I sort of brought up in this bonus episode about this Lao Singh Chada, the Indian Forrest Gump, where mm-hmm. it's like night and day, like two completely different characters. Yeah, like yeah. It doesn't feel like it gels, like it's not the same person. Whereas like But here it's very it's organic. So good, man. Like it's really mm-hmm. good. It's like it's funny. I know like this film's kind of silly and stuff, but like Tom Hanks fucking knocks it out of the park. Like he's he does, so and good. like how I can't imagine a lot of people being able to play that character is a difficult character to yeah, play without definitely. it being just silly or just offensive. He manages to take what should be a silly character and allow him, you know, jump from funny to serious moment and yeah, have a completely like smooth organic transition from like childhood to adulthood. It feels like the same guy. Yeah. And same with like the kids they cast for his son. It's like, it's yeah. it good too. It all feels, <laughs> we'll get no, to he's it. amazing. Um, Tom Hanks's younger brother, Jim Hanks, is uh, his acting double in the movie, especially for the scenes like where Forrest runs across the USA because like Tom was tired. <laughs> he didn't want to run. He apparently had like a lot of, you know, you know, it's Hollywood movies, you know, action scenes, all this sort of stuff, or just in general, like, you know, there's a lot of doubles being used and stuff. Um, and he apparently had quite a few, but none of the doubles could pull off the run as uh Jim Hanks basically laughed. It's like this distinctive Tom, like, you know, Hanks family way of running, like, you know, this goofy fucking nerdy stride. So that's how my daddy ran. That's how his daddy ran. <laughs> and that's how his daddy's daddies ran. And they all died in every American war. War. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah his daughter elizabeth plays one of the girls that like wouldn't let young forrest sit on the bus next to her either so it's a bit of a family thing going on with them um dude i i just love there's so much about this film it's just so stupid like him sitting down and talking to this woman is literally night and day between like the Indi- maybe Indian people are way nicer, like in India, because yeah, like and, in the Indian, and that one is themed more welcoming. Yeah, they're really like on board. Whereas like he starts talking to this woman, and she's just like doing what everybody would do when some fucking crazy guy just starts talking to you on a bench. Yeah. I'm just like, uh huh, 
Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. That's what's great about it. Yeah, they like acknowledge the awkwardness. And then by the end, she's just like enamored. She like doesn't want to leave. Well, actually, she kind of seems like she's up for going like period. She was like, oh, my bus is here. (laughs) She's just like, yeah, "Yeah, I gotta go. She's like the most normal person. But then there's like someone that slides over who's like, oh, I was there. I remember that. Like, you know, it's just like there's these like random people that are clearly kind of in like, you know, into the story until he says something completely stupid and then they're like fuck off and then they just like walk off that's usually what happens like you you meet a stranger and they're talking to you and they're like oh this person's interesting until they say something stupid or racist and then you're like you know what yeah yeah yeah. I love when he's just like those look like some nice shoes (laughs) they look super comfortable like you could walk all day on them my feet hurt (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, that's all I have to say about that. that. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, my mom has always said that shoes will tell you a lot about a person. Where are they going? Where are they they been? been? (laughs) (laughs) Where they thought about go? Where they thought about being? (laughs) Where they might go? Where they thought about might going and being? In the future, sometime probably. Probably gonna walk there. Maybe I'll run. Oh man, uh, I I love also when he starts talking to her and she's just like clearly doesn't give a shit. That's like the the first five minutes of the film are the best I think because they're the funniest. <laughs> like him talking to this woman, she doesn't give a fuck, and he's just like going <laughs> off and he starts like he's like talking about getting his shoes and he like after he like breaks his braces off, which is, is fucking hilarious. Mm. All right, so there's that. That's a great a scene. Film, Mafia, like I've talked about to you before, like uh, I think mm. on the podcast, it was probably the Godfather episodes. There's a parody uh, film that makes fun of like Mafia, Mafia movies, particularly the Godfather. But they also make fun of like Forrest Gump because it came out roughly around the same time. So there's a scene where uh, the kid who plays like the Marlon Brando character. Um, from Godfather Part 2 young Vito you know he goes over and he's like all sickly and stuff so they like do that sort of thing but they make him like Forrest Gump with like braces on his legs and shit and he's like sort of a (laughs) tiny Tim character (laughs) it's really silly like the whole thing's really silly and he's like running with his like fucking braces and stuff and they do the whole like run whatever his fucking Mm. name is in that movie and like his Forrest Gump is like tiny Tim yeah yeah he is but his like braces break <laughs> off on, on on his legs, and then like they like make fun of that scene. But it's almost like a it's almost hard to like how do you parody this because it's a parody in itself. It's already ridiculous. Like that whole sequence of his like braces breaking off is so long. Like it's like it goes on for like probably a couple beats too long of like things falling off and sprockets and things. So in this film and mafia, they like really exaggerate it. And there's like everything they drag literally it out. like a, probably a kitchen sink falls off that fucking thing. <laughs> like it's just like all this shit's just falling off and stuff. It's so funny. Um, but God, it's so silly, but I love when he's just like from that day on wherever I was going somewhere, I was running, running, <laughs> Transition. Running. Uh, Running. Exaggerations, Tom Hanks are just so good. That, that, like, that delivery, like, that's how he said, like, Jenny. Jenny. It sounds like he's being chased. 
Yeah. Run, eh? <laughs> well, speaking of Jin, eh? she's played ro- by Robin Wright. Both Jodie Foster and Demi Moore turned down the part. Nicole Kidman refused to do a screen test. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why. Fair enough. She's like too big for it. Yeah, but Robin Wright's great in this film. I forget how dark the she whole could. backstory is. It's, it's just, really dark. Jenny is just fucking yeah. bad, man. Like just she's just a sad yeah. character. And she got she goes through so much. And Robin Wright is great. Maybe they don't you do as much as they could. Um, but I fucking copy and paste that review for every movie <laughs> made like for, before two thousand. You know, for every fucking film that has a woman character. <laughs> yeah, but she she had, she had great. But yeah, fuck, just tragic. Yeah, very. And like very. I do, but I do like the structure of them sort of being together, being pulled apart, mm-hmm. being together, being pulled apart, and their relationship developing slowly like that yeah. over the course of a life, rather than like. You know, we hooked up once in high school, and then he'd like been chasing me nonstop ever since. Yeah, it's just he keeps like showing up in in her life, and like kind of showing her that like the people around her are kind of shit, and then she sort of moved on from person to person. Mm. I mean, I mean, not always. You know, they she's hanging out with the Black Panther. They're cool, but like that's why even Tom is like, "Sorry, I ruined Black, your Black Panther, Panther party." party. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's fucking great life i feel like we have i have a section at the end which i think you're gonna enjoy that i haven't done in a while um that i think we should like okay. put a pin in because we'll be talking a lot about like jenny i think a little bit um and, and a lot of these characters and stuff so i might just i just forgot about it until now so i might just breeze through this shit because like it's going to be yeah, more fun than all this um we have hannah r hall who plays the young jenny i mean she was in a lot of shit back in the 90s i remember like just her face popping up in a lot of things uh fine as the young jenny um dear god please make me birds suck far 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 away from here uh Haley joel osmond plays the young forrest gump jr so i popped him in there just because you know him and jenny created a Haley joel osmond uh this was his first film role um which is funny because obviously he would go on to make a you know big name for himself in the sixth sense and then he would do AI. Uh shout mm-hmm. out to last week's episode. Uh it would have been Kubrick's f- next film if he didn't pass away. I was gonna say final film, but yeah. you know, he was still I guess, you know, I don't know. He didn't call it quits, he just died. Um he yeah. just slowed down <laughs> tremendously in you know, later years to the point of death. Um, but yeah, uh, Haley Joel Osment was cast after they noticed him in a pizza Hut commercial. And then this first big film role. Mm-hmm. I mean, he doesn't really do much in this film, but you know, whatever. He's perfect. That bit like always gets me genuinely. Um, when Forrest meets yeah. him. For the first oh, time. when he does it like, and she's like, Forrest, it's okay. You don't yeah, have to do he, anything. He's like, no, is it? Is, no, is he, is he like, he's like, that. no, was he normal? That that scene is yeah. that scene is really sweet. Him trying to arc it, he like and yeah. acknowledging that he is not yeah. like particularly smart yeah, yeah. or that he's like broken or something, and like being relieved that his kid isn't like him, but his kid is like mm. him at the same time. It's very it's a it's a I like that moment. It's kind yeah. of it's very sad and sweet. We haven't even like found our way into this, but um, do go out of your way to because I, I really can't do do it justice but um i did i did laugh really hard again at the whole scene in the bedroom with jenny in college <laughs> so when they're in college and she's like she's uh just you know 
I don't know, she's been like making out getting with, hot, getting and, hot heavy. and heavy with this guy. And uh, mm-hmm. she she's like in her in the car and she sort of says like, ow, for some reason. And Forrest gets like fucking mental and goes and like pulls the guy out and beats the shit out of him. And then yeah. she like takes yeah, yeah, yeah. she takes him into um and reward. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> takes him to well, he gave her a box of chocolates. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. You know? And you know what mama always yeah. said, life is like Absolutely. a box of chocolates. You never know what you're gonna get. Which is a dumb expression. Yeah, it really is. Because you, you do know, know what you're, you're gonna get. It's written on the fucking chocolate. box as well. Most yeah, of the, most chocolate, of the yeah. time, chocolate it's boxes. Dark, white, they they yeah. even have even if you have like a variety pack. Unless you're eating like this with your eyes <laughs> yeah. fucking closed. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Back maybe back in the sixties, they didn't put what what flavors you're gonna get. But um, uh, back in my yeah. day, it was a mystery. <laughs> but yeah, so she <laughs> takes them into into her her chambers. Her uh, sleeping quarters, where she clearly has a fucking roommate. It's like a dorm room, and she's in a all women's college, so she's obviously sneaking them in there. And this whole time, she's like speaking so loudly, and she like is like doing like you know drying out her hair and stuff, and gives Forrest like a towel, and she's just talking to her about her f- dreams of in the future and stuff, and then. She just like randomly puts forced hands on her tits and just starts like asking him if he's ever been with a woman. And he's like, I've been with the- <laughs> my home ec home class. <laughs> and then he- you know what he- happened, T? He- he- yeah. He shoots one up. Shoots one up. Yeah, he- I bet that's the never happened. Launches, you know? And he starts laughing. He's like, oh no, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just ruined her yeah. shit. But the, the, the best part, which, like, it, it's not going to do it justice here, but, like, you should listen to the us talking about it in the big episode. Because we were saying how that scene should have happened in Big. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, like, how did a child in Big. Enable to like bat fire a woman <laughs> <Yeah>. properly, <laughs> yeah. but like a grown man uh, immediately ejaculate soon. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's he, so funny you know, though. Cop to feel, and somehow she gets pregnant the, from that the f- <laughs> <laughs> years and years later. <laughs> this film is all out of yeah. whack, but it's so funny because it's like, you know, he's sitting there, like, like it's the thing, like, again, like, I rewatched it and it was it was getting the same i remember like when i told you about that whole scene and how funny i found it like was mainly because he says to her that oh i think i ruined your friend's like your roommate's bathrobe and she like says oh don't worry i don't like her anyway which is fucked up but also (laughs) you can't even really hear it in the film it's like i only like could he like know that that was said because of the subtitles that I had on the screen. So dude, that's just so funny. That scene's hilarious. It's one of, again, one of the greatest scenes ever. Put <laughs> yeah. so, another point for the Mexican <laughs> <laughs> Sally Field plays mama Gump. She was only 10 years older than Tom Hanks. And yeah. She's not old the enough. The pair had even played love interest in the 1998, uh, sorry, the 1988 film Punchline before this. So that might've been slightly weird. He's <laughs> like, have you ever been with a woman? Well, my mama won in Punchline. It was very confusing. All right. So we got, uh, how did you say his name? My, 
Michael T. I think it's Michael T. Williamson who plays Forrest's best good friend, Benjamin Buford Bubba Blue. Bubba. <sighs> My man loves him some shrimp, Phil. Ration time! It's Russian time. 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 Anyway, like I was saying, shrimp is the fruit of the sea. You can <laughs> barbecue it, boil it, boil it, bake yeah. it, saute it. There's uh, shrimp kebabs, shrimp creole, shrimp gumbo, pan fried, deep fried, stir fried. There's pineapple shrimp, lemon shrimp, coconut shrimp, pepper shrimp, shrimp soup, shrimp stew, shrimp salad, shrimp and potatoes, <coughs> shrimp burger, shrimp sandwich. Mm, that That's about it. Except now, Phil, because... I peeked into my ration box this week, Phil. And I think I've gotten the worst thing I've ever had in my ration box. And I don't know if anybody's ready for this. It's something shrimp flavored. It is, uh... Are you ready? I'm I'm ready. Genie! (laughs) Genie! Genies. <laughs> what the fuck is that? Oh, so how the fuck did you find that? Premium quality dried shrimp by some brand called it's it literally says Genies. I don't know if you want to take a a photo of this. Yeah. Uh, Gen- like Genies, but it, it it's J E E N Y apostrophe S. But it, it's sort of like in my head, I was like, that's perfect. It's like, Jane, Jane, But yeah, it's these ridiculously looking gross fried shrimp. Oh, fuck. I don't know if I, I should eat these, actually. <laughs> oh, Why? my God. It smells so bad. It is oh. just raw. <laughs> oh, my God. It smells like fucking fish food, man. So oh. it says actually it's supposed to be cooked and fried before use. <laughs> and uh, to, you thought it's just like a like a yeah like a dried snack. That's what it yeah, looks like. It says to re- so you might not be able to eat it because it's raw. Reduce salt saltiness. Soak the product in water. So I'm not doing either of those. Um, I'm just going to, I'm only going to have two <laughs> little sure? ones. So I don't fucking, hopefully I don't get sick. Oh, okay. God, it smells so bad. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, you can spit it out. You can spit it out. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. It tastes like, oh, it tastes like shit. Like, it tastes like really gross I don't even know what that is, what that flavor is. Oh, it smells like, like, you know, just like, you ever raw, open up like, like uncooked tea food. Yeah. Have you, have you ever had like, like 
goldfish or anything. Like the kraken? No, like the actual goldfish, oh, like, fish. Like, like actual fish in a tank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, if yeah, you yeah, fish up, food. Like, you know what this fish food smells like, or like it yeah. also smells like hermit crabs as well. Like I don't know. If I know what you mean. They smell disgusting. Ew. Ew. And you put oh. that in your mouth. <laughs> is that the worst ration time? I think it is because I couldn't even like. I had to spit it. it out. I couldn't even just for health reasons. And I'm not going to do another. You should. You should file a complaint. You know, because honestly. Maybe if you'd cooked them. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's made in China, so it's like some Chinese thing. How many... Um... It's a weird episode. <laughs> <laughs> How many... How many Dr. Pepper do you give it? <laughs> Zero. Zero Dr. Zero. Peppers. Uh, and that's a shame, because I kind of like Dr. Pepper. So do I. Yay! Yay! Snack time. You're a smart man. See, I'm stupid. I'm still in ration time, and you're over yeah. here like living your best life in snack time, like it's next week or something. Yeah, I must <laughs> have had me 13 Dr. Pepper. <laughs> Dr. Pepper is great, man. It's a nice, like, you know, it's kind of like a root beer soda. It's cool. I've got Dr. Pepper Zero here. Mm-hmm. So misunderstood since 1885. I don't know what that means. Probably just because, like, it's a. Can people a, think of Dr. Pepper the real person? Maybe, but then also it's just a strange like flavor in a way that it's like it sort of tastes like a uh, cherry soda in a way. It's like sort of That's cherry. What I like about it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think people can't really figure out what flavor it is. Nice. Thank you for having a good snack because I I let everyone down. This episode's letting everyone down. Um, the great episode. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah I've had a tough few days so, that's my shit you know. <laughs> yeah I don't think that helped <laughs> I just put I had too much anxiety <sighs> lately where I'm putting like too much pressure on myself I uh, went I went and like played uh, bass so I got my you know new bass and stuff and I was going to play with these guys and stuff and I went and played with oh, them yeah. for the first time and I learned all the songs and stuff and it actually went well but I left with that whole imposter syndrome thing, like I'm going to get a message that they're going to be like, yeah, because eh, I don't know. Going another guys. way. I don't know yeah. these guys. I'm like, yeah, we're going to get somebody else to play bass. And I was just like, I, in my head, I'm like, yeah, and I totally like think, you know, <laughs> of course they would. Cause I sh- I'm shit. Um, but like, actually it was fine. I'm just stupid. I don't know. And like, you're great. And sometimes you just need, you know, your friend Phil to, to tell you that you're great and you've got nothing to worry about. <laughs> and sometimes you should treat yourself with the Dr. Pepper. Yeah, how's that Dr. It's, Pepper? It's fucking great. Are you kidding me? I don't know if I've ever had the zero one. Although I've had diet Dr. Pepper, which is more of a thing in America. I don't know. I diet and zero, and I get confused and yeah. I get annoyed that there's so many different ones. What, whatever it is. Yeah, that's what zero um, thing's a whole rebrand. You know, it's like... Yeah. It's very nice. Yeah. Um, it, I like Dr. Pepper a lot. Mm. Again, um, that's something I can credit Dusty with really mm. getting me into like Dr. Pepper, root beer, cream snowed. Mm. Just like Coke, but better. Like why not have a little fruity flavor now? Quite nice. It's a little sweet. I dig it. I like Dr. Pepper a lot. It's a good, good. It's not my main go-to, but it's a good like, if you're like, I don't want any like Coke. I'm sick of Coke. <laughs> get a Dr. Pepper and get so many that you have to piss. 
and you tell the, the leader of the free world the that you States. have to piss. Yeah. I believe he thought he had to go pee with the fucking <laughs> yeah. the mouth. Yeah, dude, they're so weird. The fucking the like, mouth is weird, bad. All those Again, things. like I'll, I'll I'll give it props. Obviously, it was groundbreaking at the time. Yeah. But not look great now him in the scene is good and like all the little details they had to do like you know you have to shake his hand so it's like you have to replace the hand yeah. at a certain point have it meet do that like but yeah them, them superimposing the mouth just doesn't look good that's the main thing i think that dates it the best thing they did with that was just the fact that they did put forest and all those things and again that would lead credence to like it being like if it was a shit movie i can imagine that being one of the things that people loved about it it's like he meets yeah. john lennon at it's one just point so silly you know that was actually dick cavett as well they just de-aged him with makeup oh and really stuff. they made him look younger wow. with makeup and shit and then he actually like was in those scenes but then they had actual footage of john lennon from the dick cavett show and they put Forrest over top of Yoko Ono because no one likes Yoko Ono, apparently. And that's a, that's a shame. I watched that, you know, Beatles documentary and... Uh, yeah, all 18 and, hours of it. You know, she... <laughs> maybe it's just because she was there. That's why. Cause that, was, that was the weird... That was the worst thing about her was because she was just always there and it was weird. What are you kidding at? It's a, all right. So I loved... I love Dusty, Phil, but like if you were recording this podcast and like she would like stand next to me the whole time, not saying anything, it, that's it'd Yoko be Ono. Like weird, and that was what Yoko Ono was doing. And I'm I'm wondering if that's why people like. Well, they always play the woman. I did. I never. Yeah, yeah, I know they do, and it's a shame and she, if, because she's one of the most like weirdly maligned people in the world. Because doesn't know? Paul make the joke and they're like, "Oh, they're gonna blame our breakup on you" or something like <laughs> yeah. that. Probably, but by that point, they probably had already like talked so much shit about her in the papers and stuff. It's weird. It's bizarre. It's weird. And let, let, let's just take a sidetrack. And this episode not long enough. <laughs> <laughs> I don't you even know, know how like, we. Even you got haven't even asked me about. You haven't even asked me to rate the Dr yeah. Pepper. How many? But like, if we could lost? talk about the Beatles, no. <laughs> if we get, we're like, if we could talk about the Beatles for a second, I never understood this like blaming Yoko thing. Oh, right? I don't either. Because I don't either. Because like mainly from the point of. Why would you want a band that have already done as much as the Beatles, you know, it became like the most important band in mm. history. And like they had creatively outgrown each other. They did not want to be together anymore. They wanted to go out and do their own thing. Why would you as a fan want to impede on that and be like, no, you should stay together. They didn't want to be together. They were done. You can literally hear it. In the record. Yeah. Like you like I love the White Album, but the White Album is like a divorce album. Yeah. It's four different records in one. <laughs> but that's what makes it interesting. Yeah. And then there's like Abby wrote it a great farewell and you know, let like let it be doesn't doesn't end up being that great of an album. It got a couple good tracks on it, but it ends up being a you know, not a a weird one to go out on. Um and you know, they were always like abstract and ambiguous to the band anyway they stopped touring half you know in like halfway through their run and they ended on like a random fucking rooftop concert which was also a spin-off from the documentary we showed it at the cinema who's your favorite beetle hmm i don't know mine's george gotta be george yeah i think mine is george George all the way like it's funny back in the day i probably would have said like either John or Paul, but then like you start to realize, like, it's funny, this came up at the rehearsal I was at the other day. We were laughing about 
um, Paul just being a nerd. He's just a fucking nerd. You know, he's like he, brilliant. He's he dorky and he's silly, he's but dork. he is brilliant. He's a dork. Yeah. Um, he is a dork. But, <laughs> but like uh, John is just problematic. Amazing songwriter, but he's problematic. Well. That's the thing. When you're young, like, yeah, like when you're a teenager, John is your favorite, yeah. right? And then you sort of outgrow that and and then you either fall into like a silly or like more spiritual thing. Yeah. And that Paul and George, I think it's equal yeah. there. But nobody goes for Ringo. Oh, fuck no. He's made a lifetime of just being the Beatles drummer. And he's great in the Beatles. I will forever, but like, like, go to bat for Ringo in that movie Caveman that he did or whatever it was called. I think it's called Caveman. Or something like that. Did he play a caveman? Yeah, dude, it's fucking great. It has like Dennis Quaid. No, in it this is no, this well. is trash. And like, it's I, like, you're fucking with me. This and, is a bad uh, film that you liked as a kid. I know. Shelley Long as well. And it's like no, this is a bad movie. It's, uh, all the there's so there's like dinosaurs and shit in it as well, but they're all very Ray Harryhausen like stop motion esque like car- like uh, dinosaurs and stuff. They're like claymation sort of things. It's so fucking good. Like it's so funny and bad. Like it's really good. Like a really good bad movie that like he's the first of his like him and Dennis Quaid they're like outcasts and they get cast out of the tribe and they're, they're like you know or you know whatever the cave tribe caveman tribe and like all the other cavemen walk around with, like hunched over backs and stuff but they realize how to like straighten each other's backs out by accident and then they're like the first upright walking men <laughs> it's so good it's really fucking bad but it's great okay. Next week. But yeah, George is the freak. He's a freak, you know, and like, I like, he's a fucking weirdo, you know, like he he's like, you could see it in that Beatles documentary where he's just like, he can't fucking like gel with this fame and he's like too in, in his own mind and, but he's writing the sickest fucking songs on the side. <laughs> the beautiful thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, real that's quick me, man. Do yeah. I just like, yeah. I don't, I can't gel with this, but I want to fucking write these cool songs in the background. Yeah. Um, Phil, how many broken, like, well, like, not even broken legs. How many, like, amputated legs are you giving your Diet Dr. Pepper zero? Four. Let's say two Lieutenant Dan worth. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so Michael T. Williams is great as Bubba. Bubba's a great character. Uh, I think he's just funny. He's, he's just funny. I love the character in general. He fucking plays it perfectly. Is it? I don't know. Is that character problematic at all? Do you think? Explain. Well, I mean the lips and go on. Like you know, the man with a fucking. But he got like a in his fucking yeah. mouthpiece. It's like his mouthpiece. It actually kind of screwed up his career a little bit after, because people really? were like, yeah, they they thought his like lips were really fucked up, and he had these like big protruding gums and stuff. Um, but he like ended up, uh, you know just proving like oh yeah like i don't actually have have that (laughs) it's a mouthpiece but But yeah but yeah i get maybe yeah because you're right that does play into like an old sort of stereotype i just yeah yeah, i don't they could have filmed it quite sweethearted i never like but that is yeah it's very old timey yeah, sort of caricature, but he, but he's great, and like they even make mention of it. You know, he's just like, "You gotta get caught on a tripwire." <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a certain degree of racism in the film that, like, it's clear. There's a healthy degree of racism yeah. in Forrest Gump, <laughs> but it's it's all like played up to the fact of like other characters are racist, but Forrest doesn't see race. You know? Yeah, he too. He's, like, he doesn't, he doesn't see actually it. see color. He doesn't I see don't. color. 
and it's neither could it, you know, it's because he's like, you're either too smart or you're too dumb to see it. Yeah. You know? And so he's like a nice, he fits in there. When casting began, the producers reached out to a lot of different people to play the part of Bubba. Ice Cube. Ice Cube at Bubba Gump. David Allen Greer and Dave Chappelle. Chappelle. <laughs> they were all off. Chappelle could have been interesting. Yeah. Especially because he did end up doing that, like, speaking of home improvement. <laughs> he was on home improvement. And was I he? swear they spun off of that. And he got his own sitcom for like a season. It didn't last long, where mm. it was like literally him and it was just him and the fact that he had like a white best friend. Oh, okay. And like that was it. That was the premise. And it didn't last long. <laughs> and but I imagine it would have looked a lot like this. Just him smoking a cigarette in the corner, just making fun of Forrest. <laughs> I mean, Dave Chappelle himself is kind of like problematic these days anyway. It's like, it's, it's a shame because like he was so great back in the day. He's the hard one to talk about. There's a lot to, to, to go into. Yeah. But this would have been Nighty Professor era. Yeah. Right? Which is great. Yeah. And I know Before you, even you, Big Break. you could e- e- easily like, you know, talk about some of his specials today and have a good time. And, to, you know, he's a great, yeah, he's orator, he's a great storyteller. But at the same Killing time, him he's, yeah. uh, I mean, even when I saw him live, he was pretty transphobic and it was weird. And then like <laughs> people try to like say he's not. And it's just like, dude, I don't know, man. He kind of doubled down on the fact that he was happy to be called a turf and stuff and it was really strange and it's just like dude you're just punching down now what the fuck's wrong with you <laughs> it's fucking strange yeah, yeah to do a to then dedicate a whole show yeah and by the end tried to come and i love i do love dave chappelle and i feel like some of his shit take it get taken out of context but it's weird to that yeah to really double down on it and to do a whole show where your final point is that you're not yeah in any way against this community, but like the whole show had thought of been making fun of, and it, what the fucking, this is a heavy conversation. Yeah. So maybe not at Bubba. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think Michael T is the best for it. Michael T. Williamson. He's like, he's perfect. Fucking perfect. I mean, I love David Allen Greer. I shouted him out last week as well. It's weird. There's a lot of like weird, uh, Overlays. Ice Cube would have been strange, but uh, I, I'd like to see it. Just as a, is it an interesting uh, experiment? I don't. Th- I just don't. I can't see Ice Cube playing a character like that because it's quite yeah. a not. Not. I don't. I'd like Bob, but Ice Cube is such a man of the nineties and like was really progressive at the time and was you know breaking boundaries in terms of how we saw black men in the spotlight. Yeah. So to play a kind of Essentially, a little bit of a regressive character. Yeah, I think would not have Done vibed with. I can't yeah. imagine him doing a voice and everything. You know, he was fucking Doughboy, and he would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Friday, like those are the that makes more sense. They all turned it down anyway, and Chappelle later said that he thought the film wouldn't be successful, so that's the reason why he didn't take the role. But he was re- very regretful after it was a big hit. And Tom Hanks was aware of Dave Chappelle's uh, disappointment of missing out on the part and agreed to work with him in the future. And then four years later, he did because Nora Ephron cast him to play the best friend and you've got mail. That's a really nice little bit of trivia. Yeah, Yeah. I forgot about that. And she did say that it was uh, a bit of compensation for missing out on Bubba. So, yeah. That's really nice. Yeah. Too bad it wasn't the better Tom Hanks make Ryan (laughs) Rumpel. I actually love You Got Mail, to be honest. I love You Got Mail, and I love 
the it's original, no sleepless the original in Seattle. version of it. Um, oh, shop around the yeah, corner. Shop around the corner. It's great. But I mean, I like a, I like rom com. You know, it's not per, it's not a good movie at I all. I know. You like a rom com and you like a war movie. Yeah. It's very strange. And a coming of age <laughs> film and a heist movie. I do. I do like coming of age films too. I wrote my dissertation on coming Sounds of age. Sounds like art. I just like movies. I'm just naming every genre. You like <laughs> movies? I like comedy. Yeah, I like comedy. I like. Yeah. I like, oh, uh, I like. Oh, I like action movies. Gary Sinise plays Lieutenant Dan Taylor. Dan. Lieutenant Dan. Joe Pesci was considered Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci. I always think any movie would be made better with Joe Pesci. <laughs> now, I co-sign that. I do like Jerry Sinise though. Him and Tom Hanks had like, perfect, quite yeah. a few roles together. They had a run. Runs. Yeah, he was in uh, Apollo. Apollo 13. Yeah, I mean, Gary Sinise has kind of made a career out of being Lieutenant Dan as well. He would go on to become an advocate for veterans and he created the Gary Sinise Foundation and they would Oh, I didn't know that. basically help wounded veterans and stuff and help buy them houses and shit and all sorts of stuff and uh He's That's also really fucking sweet, actually. the frontman for the Lieutenant Dan band which is performed at military bases and war zones. And he credits the part for changing his life. And it even inspired wow. him to write his own novel about his life and changing, helping change people's lives, you know, for the better. Wow. Good for him. Yeah. I did not realize the thing movie changing lives. Yeah. Just like this podcast. All right. So let's get down to business. Phil. <laughs> yes. Here we go. Vietnam. One hour and 20 in. We're here for war. Vietnam. How accurate is Vietnam in this film? So you've said that you think it's fucking great. Let's just talk about it. You know, it's a tiny, it's a tiny Vietnam movie in the middle of an already epic movie, mm-hmm. and you get every bit of it. You get the full Metal Jacket style, tr- like Academy training, yeah. bit, and then you get fucking crazy explosion, Apocalypse Now, yeah. platoon style. Yeah, yeah. But then you get this, like, you know, best friend, you know, best friend, like tr- trying to make it through and ending in tragedy and it's a lovely complete little story within that and i just feel like i feel like i've heard the quote and i, I won't try and say it but like it i've heard a quote about some soldiers finding it particularly accurate because it, it does do that good jump of like absolute boredom to just absolute disaster yeah. in a matter of seconds mm-hmm. and like just pure confusion and pain and disaster and death and like even like with lieutenant dan the idea of like him wanting to die in a pointless fight and forrest gump pulling out of it that could be seen as like a whole analogy for vietnam that's interesting to me and it's a very short it's a very short sequence in the movie but one of the most memorable like him running through the forest yeah right when the name you know i gotta find baba (laughs) with fucking bombs going up behind him it's fucking incredible and it's really sad um the end like it actually hit i think it's uh, great... i'm assuming you're about to tell me that oh no 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 i i was gonna say the exact same thing i think it's great i think it's one of the best parts of the film it's totally like, memorable yeah. it's funny at times as well the music fucking slaps during that part i mean come on right when and the music we got ccr i mean you're ready dude this is like where the yeah. soundtrack really starts to pick up and you're in that time um, yeah, none of the scenes were filmed in Vietnam, though. All were shot in South Carolina, particularly on Fripp Island. Oh, not in London? <laughs> <laughs> particularly on Fripp Island and Hunting Island State Park off the coast of South Carolina. And to give South Carolina the look of a, uh, and feel of a war-torn Vietnamese jungle, 
the filmmakers made extensive use of computer generated graphics. Actually, they particularly like the mountains in the background um, weren't real. They just superimpose these mountains over top. So look fucking yeah, great. it does look good. Um, it actually, to be honest, it looks like fucking fantastic. I think it looks kind of better than a lot of the films we've talked, like particularly better than dead presidents, which I like dead presidents, but it looks better. Me too. It looks better sure. than full metal jacket, even though like it's a completely different landscape we're talking about here. Like yeah. it's like one of the things that's impressive about it is like, you know, Kubrick making like this shitty, like, you know, area in East London that's, Field. <laughs> that looks like the, like, you know, makes that look like a city that's been bombarded and stuff by bombs and shit. So, yeah, it's it's interesting, um, but I think it just looks amazing. Like it looks cool, but yeah, it's despite most of the film actually being set in Greenbow, Alabama, and in in and around like Georgia and stuff like that, mm-hmm. most of this film actually was just shot in South Carolina. There was some nah. additional footage shot in the Blue Ridge Parkway, uh, so it would have been like North Carolina and Virginia, and also I think on the Virginia North Carolina coast at times, and then also they shot around Grandfather Mountain, which is in North Carolina or Tennessee or something like that, I believe. Uh, there were scenes where the forest is, uh, where Forrest is narrating on the bus stop. That's in the square in Savannah, Georgia. So those like bus stops, those seats and everything were actually I think removed and put into some museum or something because it's like you know they're culturally significant now because yeah. how famous Forrest Gump is now other people have to fucking stand. <laughs> get used to it that's how it is in London yeah, yeah true <laughs> Forrest Gump's all right so back to the Vietnam so Forrest Gump's division was really deployed in Vietnam for five years it's the 47th infantry regiment 9th infantry division it mostly involved in training new soldiers but they were there for five years during Vietnam so that's legit Many veterans have said that the Vietnam portions are really spot on and even things like the rain just stopping out of nowhere, like a switch being flipped as being accurate. They were just like, it just happened like that. And then also like in the film, the soldiers would rarely see enemies before being showered upon with bullets and the ambushes would just like come out of nowhere. So the ambush scene was apparently handled really, really well. And it resonated a lot with veterans. They said one thing that was, wasn't was very accurate was the Viet Cong using mortar fire. So this film would have been around the time when Forrest Gump was in Vietnam. I think it would have been in like 68 or something like that. Um, the Viet Cong didn't get their hands on mortar, like mortars basically until the end of the war. So it would have been like in the 70s by that point. So they said that's the only fault they had with those scenes. Because like all those crazy explosions wouldn't have been happening. They would have only just basically had like machine guns and stuff. Sure. But other than that, pretty accurate. That, I mean, that's cool to hear. I'm glad it's accurate. And like also it it kind of low key acts like a parody on war movie. Yeah. Like when they're doing when they're going around, you know, the gang like bearing off their name and they're all named after places that they're not from. And it's like in tech. Yeah. I can't remember where Tex was from. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that, yeah. great. And that's legit. Now we've seen a few. It's like, yeah, why do they always like have like fucking weird nicknames yeah. and shit? It's, it's a very like movie thing. But I think it's safe to say like that sequence in Forrest Gump is one of the best Vietnam movies ever made. Yeah. I won't say the best. Yeah, yeah. Then, and you can see there's a lot of good ones and we can't shut the fuck up about yeah, Vietnam yeah. movies. But like that sequence, because it does it so quickly, 
and done it so efficiently, it's so satisfying Definitely. to watch. Yeah. Like if you'd only seen that, you would still get a pretty good picture of what Vietnam was like and why it's remembered the way it is. Yeah. And if we want to like continue moving on, like post Vietnam in this film, but like still kind of in the resonating. Oh, yeah. And it deals with the fallout. Yeah. Sorry. So yeah. ping pong diplomacy was real. So Forrest becomes the ping pong champion with, despite not really ever learning how to fucking play ping pong. Um, yeah. He, he plans to play with himself. Yeah. Uh, he, he basically becomes this <laughs> Come superstar, on. but that was a real thing. It was a diplomatic strategy from Richard Nixon that they would send uh, people over to play ping pong. In China. Show them how it's done. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> Very weird. The thing about student protests, so obviously you get a, the big protest scenes and stuff, um, but it was bigger. It was much bigger. Uh, mm. None of the films that we've, I've talked about it a little bit, but none of the films that we've seen have really like, really gone into the protests and stuff. No, no, Vietnam. no. Forrest Gump does that huge yeah. one by the Washington Monument, and we're obviously the famous. Yeah, that's all I have to say about that. And that's—I re- don't know if that's from the book. That's a wonderful moment. Very <laughs> yeah. smart because what it like we've discussed this war mm-hmm. for like four episodes yeah. now, and what is there to say? Yeah. So there's so much that happened that went wrong that you're like, it's almost like why did any of this happen? Yeah. You can't explain it. And so it's better that you don't hear anything. But as far as I know, he did have lines. Yes, he does. I feel like I have heard it before. All right. So this whole sequence is like kind of an interesting one in general because it does like lead to, because it barely touches on like, so, I mean, you know, like protesting in general, even though it looks big and stuff and all that, like it, this film, it skirts along the edges it's, it does more than any of the other films we've we've watched, obviously, because there's not been as much stuff back home after the fact of Vietnam. We have Dead mm. Presidents, which definitely talks about the aftermath of Vietnam, but like we didn't really get that like as much of you know people looking at the, the character, you know, of like what it meant for you to be back after the war, and even Forrest Gump, even though we get a scene where he interrupts a black Panther party and we get a scene where he's at this big, huge rally. They don't really explore those topics. They don't really touch on like what it meant for soldiers coming back and like, cause Forrest like just skirts through everything. So it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a big thing that really in modern times, it's not quite gelling with people in the movie in general, because you know, the big protest force ends up at, ends up at it's, so there's the man with the American flag t-shirt and the big bushy hair. That's meant to be Abby mm. Hoffman, who is mm. one of the... Sh- Fucking <laughs> Vietnam! <laughs> yeah! so, he's one of the Chicago 7, so the big famous oh, trial. Of, yeah, like, they made that movie. Chicago 7, yeah. Um, so he gets them to speak up in front of the crowd and the mics are cut off. And mm-hmm. that like is a thing that like, I think a lot of people have a problem with with this film because it's like... It's saying so much around, but the one thing you think the film should say, they cut the fucking lines out. So Forrest no, did but say that's, something. That's why it's fucking brilliant, though. Yeah. I don't think that's a problem because get like tell me what would be good enough for him to say. Well, in that this moment. is what Forrest does say. 
Uh, and I think actually it would be good enough to say. <laughs> he says sometimes when people go, especially if, mind you, Forrest's uh, intellect, he says sometimes Savant. when people go to Vietnam, they go home to their mamas without any legs. Sometimes they don't go home at all. That's a bad thing. And that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. All right. So Yeah, that's kind of beautiful. And it's like, I think that's the thing that people have had problems with Forrest Gump in recent years <laughs> is the fact that like, it feels like actually, I mean, that's, I think that I, I get it. I have a fun time with Forrest Gump, but at the same time, it's mm. a film that kind of says nothing. It has nothing to say. Forrest has the easiest, breeziest fucking path through life, life. in the world. Yeah. He's like skirts along and he's like someone with like, and I, I know that they're trying, I think at the time they were trying to paint like the picture of like, oh, you know, anybody could be anything. Even if you're like someone with a low IQ, don't let every, anybody put you in a box, blah, blah, blah. You know, life mm. is a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get, which is sweet. Yeah. But at the same time, like. <laughs> Not true. <laughs> Forrest, Forrest Gump says nothing. So I think that's the thing. Yeah. So it's divided a lot. Fair of enough. Critics, you know. Fair enough. But I think in that moment in particular, that thing. The film shows you what it's actually about. Yeah. When Jenny comes running out and they meet in the water. That's the fil- that's the story the film is telling. It's telling a love story. Everything else is fucking background noise. It's fun and it's a good show and it's like it it gets to touch on things without having to delve into it too yeah. much. You know, it ne- it was never gonna be this like revelatory Vietnam film. But it's a love it's a nice love story where the main guy kind of go to Vietnam for a bit. So we've talked about Forrest interfering with all these events in American history. We know that he's met people like John Lennon. We talked about that. We talked about how he taught Elvis to dance, sort of. Um, but anyway. Yeah, it was very, um, qu- you, you're, you're a quantum leap guy? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, you're quantum- I'm, a, I'm aware yeah, of quantum leap, yeah. You would like Quantum yeah. Leap. I love Quantum Leap. I think you would like it too. Yeah. Um, that that was a very Quantum Leap moment because he'd always that that's something the show liked to do a lot. He wouldn't not until the show was like getting low ratings in later seasons. Uh, he started jumping into famous people. Okay, um, but but at first it was never like that. But he'd go into the fifties, the sixties. He'd be around big cultural. So moments they basically sometime. did like Family Matters. You know, towards the end they just decided to go wacky with it where Steve had, they were really going for it. That just every episode was just a new invention that like carried an episode through like some bizarre fucking rabbit hole. It would, it would (laughs) like that. Yeah. But there would, I remember one in particular where he meets Michael Jackson as a kid in a bathroom. Oh God. (laughs) No, (laughs) but he, but he, um, teaches them to dance. Well, okay. not even teach them to show them some moves. And it's funny. Show them some moves, eh? In a bathroom, eh? As a yeah. kid, eh? It, as a, yeah. Well, you you know, Scott, it wasn't as bad as Forrest in that college storm. So, was, he, like, was he, like, did he have a mop? Was he, like, a janitor or something? I forget what was happening. <laughs> like, always sunny when they... Yeah, I've, I think I've blocked <laughs> out the... Yeah. yeah. But it, it's nice in that moment because it's not him... You know, like I love, sorry, I'm going all over this episode. I love Back to the Future, obviously. It's hard not to, but it does steal the creation of Rocket Wall. From a black man, yeah. From a black man. Yeah. And, you know, um, this doesn't do that because Elvis did white and, yeah. you know, if anything, makes it better. 
Um, but with the, in Quantum Leap, he's not teaching him. It's he knows who the kid is. And but so Elvis, he just... Elvis... Did deal from... Elvis steals a crippled kid's dance moves. <laughs> yeah, which is even funnier. <laughs> oh, that oh, just my. says like what the writers of this film like thought of Elvis Presley's dancing that he looked like he looked like a, a crippled kid, with, kid a crippled kid with braces on his legs which is bizarre he danced like an idiot the one there's a <laughs> god yeah so there's a scene that was left on the cutting room floor that's where I was getting at so mm. I think it actually might appear as a bonus scene and maybe like some special edition as if this film isn't mm. long enough but Robert Zemeckis shot a scene in which Martin Luther King Jr. <laughs> Oh no. Was involved, which included Forrest meeting him and his supporters as police dogs are about to attack. And when the vicious dogs are released, they run towards King, but Forrest interferes and he begins playing fetch with the dogs, eventually steering them away. And then Forrest says to King, Sorry to interrupt your parade. They just dogs. They don't know any better. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, let's get into the music here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably best left. Yeah. yeah. Jesus. On the floor, that one. Maybe not undermine yeah. that figure. <laughs> All right. So the music score was done by Alan Silvestri, but yeah, it's a good score. It's a classic mm. sort of score. I mean, I remember all the sort of like original music of this film, but the money is in this soundtrack. Oh, golden era. They went on to sell 12 million copies, and it featured 32 songs. All American bands, except for Fleetwood Mac, did appear, I think, and were on a re-release years later. But The the soundtrack to Forrest Gump is like one of those infomercials. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, golden hit from the 50s, 60s, and 70s on this 28th disc collection, only 38.95 by now. Yeah. And they just, it's just every fucking song you've ever heard, and they just play them. Yeah, it's crazy. But it's a great collection of music that had had now. It's nonstop as well. Every fucking moment, there's a song. But it's okay. This is the moment, right, that you were confusing for Pop Up Now. Yeah, yeah, you definitely have uh, all on the Watchtower, like in the Vietnam scene, like when they're walking. Uh, yeah, so that's, that is what, I, I mean, I don't know, I for whatever reason felt like it was in Apocalypse Now, but uh, the big song is like, yeah. and I feel like it's kind of like a perfect song for Vietnam in general is uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival's Fortunate Son. Fortunate that's like Not the, the one. best fucking song. That, that's the best song. Yeah. And then that like, Gimme Shelter, the good one, obviously, along yeah. the Watchtower, the good one. But a lot of good ones. Freebird, yeah. when Jenny's like, you know, doing the drugs and on the fucking God, balcony. Oh man, uh, it's just, it, it's easy, it's a bit manipulative because it's playing music I love. Yeah. But it, you know, it so happened to be in a theme in in, in a film I like, which I appreciate. Like, you know, because now films do the Forrest Gump soundtrack, but it's just like a great tip. Yeah. Of, you know, a classic song, but it's no, it can't make a good, bad film good. Yeah. You know? I've made fun of the soundtrack a few times, I think, on previous episodes where I was like, oh, I appreciate, like, you know, I think it was in The Five Bloods, like, the soundtrack. You know, Ooh, not doing soundtrack. the Forrest Gump soundtrack. 
you know yeah, and then yeah. I also, because most films do that I think we were talking about it in the um, and Dead Presidents as well yeah they went yeah, a different yeah. way with it which I appreciate yeah and we were talking about in the the episode for Zodiac where because it's not it doesn't necessarily need to be a Vietnam War film but a film set back in that period of time I feel like there's a lot of films that just kind of use these same songs that are in the Forrest Gump soundtrack and I appreciated the Zodiac had like you know, you know, you have a weird Donovan song and stuff. And just like kind of going weird with it. Just different songs that you don't hear from that generation all the time. Because like you really do get like California Dreaming by the Mamas and Papas. Mrs. Robinson by Simon and Garfunkel. I mean, Turn, Turn, Turn by the Birds. For what it's worth by Buffalo Springfield. I mean, it's like every fucking... Every great needle yeah. drop, yeah. Sloop John B by the Beach Boys. And then early on, you get Lovesick Blues by Hank Williams just sort of barely playing in that fucking barbershop where those old guys are, like, you know, befuddled by, like, Forrest's uh, graces on his legs. Um, yeah, so what a fucking soundtrack. But, yeah, Credence fucking takes the cake. His Fortunate Son's sick fucking song. It's a great song. I love PTR. Yeah. They're such an underrated band. Um, this is up there now, I think. On another episode, we should try and do it. Maybe when this arc is done, like a top five like soundtrack of one we've like top five soundtrack we've covered. Oh, and like throughout the entire podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's definitely up there, one of the best fucking soundtracks ever. Uh, Force Gump was released in July of 1994. In its opening weekend, it film placed first at the U.S. box office, narrowly beating out The Lion King, which was in its fourth week of release, and it had been dominating the box office. So that's just how popular this film was. For the first 12 weeks of release, the film was in the top three at the U.S. box office, topping the list five times, including in its 10th week of release. It was a huge box office success, grossing $678.2 million worldwide on a $50 million, $55 million budget. Of course, the film won loads of awards, sweeping the Oscars that year, won Best Picture, Best Director, Best Visual Effects, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Film Editing, and Best Lead Actor for Tom Hanks in his second year in a row winning for after doing Philadelphia the previous year, making him the only, only the second lead actor to do that after Spencer Tracy uh, had done it Two so back many to back. years. Yeah, in the past. And no no other lead actor has ever done it. You've had a few supporting actors get some back-to-back nominations. But yeah, and also, I guess, like lead actresses and supporting actresses. But like, you know, mm-hmm. no lead actor has done it since. Uh, so yeah, it's a big fucking deal. And despite grossing more than $600 million worldwide, the film actually failed to turn a profit by the end of 1994. Because, yes, it was a victim of Hollywood accounting, which we brought up in the past before. And I... I, Do we have a theme song? (laughs) (laughs) We've brought it up a few times. I feel like it's something that I've I've said in the past that I wanted to dive into more of, like, Hollywood accounting could have a whole episode just on that. Um, in films that apparently were victim of Hollywood accounting. Uh, and that even mm. led to Winston Groom, the writer of the book, uh, getting the short end of the stick because he was paid $350,000 for the screenplay rights and he was contracted a 3% share of the film's net profits, which he never saw because of Hollywood accounting. Tom Hanks and Robert Zemeckis, however, did end up receiving around $40 million. And then, like I said, nowadays, I think after years and years, like it's in the 60s, uh, Groom's dispute was resolved after an explanation of Hollywood accounting and a seven-year figure uh, for a 
you know, basically film rights to his book, Gump and Company, which was never made, landed in his lap. So he went home happy. Okay, I got seven, a seven-figure deal. But yeah, Eric Roth and Robert Zemeckis and Tom Hanks all did an interview, like I think around the 25th anniversary of Forrest Gump, and they admitted there was a sequel script and it exists. And when asked about the what experiences uh, Forrest has in the sequel, they explained that he comes in contact with O.J. Simpson and Princess Diana. Hanks believes that Forrest would have chatted up both Mark Zuckerberg and the Winklevoss twins about how it would be nice if you could make a book and show a person's face on it um, to make a friend. Oh, my God. And then uh, they also believe that Forrest would have assisted in Hurricane Katrina efforts and he would have been the reason the Navy SEALs find Osama bin Laden. All right, so fuck it. There's that would a, actually be amazing. There's a potential sequel out there. I don't think it'll ever get made, but mm-hmm. let's have some theories, Phil. I promised there was something at the end I was going to say. Oh, here we go. I haven't done this in a while. Film theories. I was sitting there watching Forrest Gump, and I was like, there must be theories about this, right? There's got to be, like, wacky Like, it'd be theories. really that stupid. Uh, so I, I <laughs> wanted to get into it. I So and I, I I was right, you know, you're just sitting there, you have a thought in your head, you know, and you Google it, and it, it exists. So f- over on Reddit, there was a lot of film theories about Forrest Gump. Uh, so obviously some of the big theories that people have about this film and Jenny in particular. So I said I was going to hold off because I knew there was stuff about Jenny. So... I've heard okay. this theory. So, yeah, go ahead. It's always assumed. It's very weird. We haven't talked about it yet. So Ginny, she comes back into Forest life. She has a fucking child and she says it's Forrest's and she says that she's sick. And this is set in the 80s and she says they don't know what it is. So you're led to believe most people you could know. You presume it's HIV or AIDS. Mm-hmm. But there are theories that people have that disprove this. So this part also differs from the novel as Ginny does not die in the novel. Actually in the novel, Ginny marries another man and uh, Forrest decides he doesn't want to be involved with this child's life because the adoptive father was better equipped to raise him. So what a happy ending. in the book Forrest becomes a street performer and he gives up his for- fortune to live a simple existence, begging for change alongside his orangutan Sue, which is the ape that I was talking about, <laughs> Sue, that he has in the book. So, oh. um, the theory of That's a bad AIDS ending. being a mysterious illness that she has due to dirty needle use in her drug days is often mm. battled by fans that have basically said that uh, that would have put Forrest and Forrest Jr. in danger. In jeopardy, and yeah. They seem completely fine. So, you know, there's people out there that question that. If it is AIDS because it's like, oh, wouldn't force, you know, you had sex with it, wouldn't force, like, wouldn't he have AIDS? Well, wouldn't the baby have well, AIDS? It could have, but. <laughs> well, it could have been afterwards. You could have, you know, you don't know how long she'd been clean. Yeah. And also, Phil, we, we, we have no idea, like, literally most people who are making assumptions about AIDS, even up to the yeah, exactly. 2022 Fucking are always making fucking assumptions. Well, Tom Hanks was an expert. He did just make Philadelphia. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> People are like always wrong. Um, I wasn't in Philadelphia, yeah. so I know this is accurate. <laughs> anyway, whatever. Um, some fans theorize that Forrest Jr. isn't Forrest's kid anyway. So there's that. Uh, but 
I all right, so I'm just skipping along. These don't sound like they're really cool, mm. but this one, this one's great. All right, so it's the forest is actually dead. <laughs> that always a dead theory. Yeah. <laughs> and not every movie is yeah. the fucking thick tent, even if it's got the same kid in it, you know? I've heard that Jenny is dead theory. Oh, really? Like she's like a ghost she's the a ghost. whole time. Okay. Well, yeah, post is posted on Reddit by uh, the user Ragerblade. The film theory, his theory, <laughs> Ragerblade, his theory posits that nothing is real and that Forrest is dead in the movie and he died at some point while he was being chased on the bikes by bullies. Um, not in Vietnam. Not in Vietnam. <laughs> and according to his thought process, it's that the braces breaking off of Forrest's legs in the way they do in the film, which is impossible by real world standards. This is all like what he says is actually Mm. symbolic of him breaking free from his earthly existence. And this theory explains that Forrest becomes sort of an angel and the rest of the Forrest Gump fleshes out what an idealized life would have been had he survived. So basically he says that he doesn't think that uh, Forrest would have played football or gone to college or joined the army because he had such a low IQ. The army doesn't care. It's weird how he becomes a ping pong player despite never actually like, you know, really playing before, but he becomes such an elite player. Uh, and he seems to appear in Lieutenant Dan and Jenny's life's like lives. Like at the time they need him most, he's always just kind of there. So he's like their guardian mm-hmm. angel. So that's his theory. Mm-hmm. Um, I do always find, I meant to say this, I always found it funny. And I remember my dad saying it back in the day about Forrest. Like, so this motherfucker, like, <laughs> runs through <laughs> the Alabama, like, football field. And they even, like, have a guy who plays the coach who was the famous Alabama, University of Alabama coach. Like, yeah. so, like, that's how deep they go with this film. He runs through, he gets fucking recruited to play football, and he graduates college. And the first thing he does is like take a pamphlet from some idiot who says something about your future. Hey, here, your future. Yeah. Like, I, like, oh, I guess I'll do this. I know he's dumb. I know he's dumb, right? But like, if you graduated mm. college and you managed to get out of, you know, serving in Vietnam, but he so only gets far, to college being a football star. Yeah. That's like, why thing. didn't he, like, he was a football star, though. How come he didn't go pro? If he's so good, he was an all American mm. dude, all American. Like he was like at the white house. Cause he was so fucking good. How come he didn't go pro the NFL existed back then. So I don't really understand this mm. Two, If you graduate college, like you could like easily, I think just kind of like go into officer training camp or something and become an officer in the army <laughs> instead of just becoming a fucking mm. recruit. But I don't know, man, that was, that was always like something we laughed about when I was a kid with my dad. He was just mm-hmm. like, yeah, I don't really understand this. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, <laughs> stupid is a stupid dad. Force is stupid. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think of that? Force is actually dead theory. Any good? Nah, no, nah, no good. I think it's a stretch. Yeah. I don't I, like, you know, a good theory to need to be like beyond that. A lot of the stuff in this film you know, wouldn't have happened. <laughs> it's like that in every fucking movie, dude. Yeah, we get you it. Need, That's you the need whole premise more, like, of uh, like, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like the whole, like our, like when we were theorizing on 13 going on 30, yeah. 
those were some real theories because that was like shit in the movie. There were like multiple like cues and references to back up our yeah. theory. Where that is just like you could you could see it like this, but you could see it the other way with the other characters that like angels for him, and none of them really yeah. exist. And nah, nah, and not at that moment. I, I not what mainly running. did it because I thought it was funny because like you know we haven't had film theory in a while, and anytime like a funny one that like a lot of articles are written about like pop up, I kind of like want to throw it in an episode. But it is kind of silly because yeah. like how could you ever theorize that like. You know, because a lot of this stuff wouldn't happen. It's like, it didn't happen. This film is a... <laughs> None of it happened. It's a film about true events that happened in real life that clearly didn't happen because they just superimposed force over top of it all. Of course it didn't it's happen. A guy, it's about a guy who can, you know, just like, you know, win the Medal of Honor and like become an all-star and meet John Lennon. Yeah. But, you know, when he touches a boob, he just creams. <laughs> Here you thought Force sailed through everything. He actually did. Yeah. He sailed through that yeah. as well somehow. You know exactly. She, he still managed still to came, get the girl. She still came back and got in bed with him. Yeah, and you know what? That first theory is just like, oh, wouldn't Forrest be sick? Well, he's probably lucky enough to have like, you know, be like Magic Johnson, where he just like figure it out. Yeah, he didn't he, even notice he had it. He, he just had a lot beat of it. fucking money. <laughs> He had money. You he just inject the money right into your vein. Yeah. And there you go. Magic pill. I don't know. Um <sighs> God damn. Well <laughs> I think that's us done with That's all I have to say about with, that. That's all I have to say about that. That's us done with uh Vietnam for a while, because Phil like, you know, Force Gump, whatever. We said enough. It's a long episode. Um, that was the Mamma Jamma. Yeah. Um That was a good episode. Yeah, so we, uh, it, this really, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if we are, because Phil and I have uh, really plotted out the almost the rest of the year of episodes and stuff. And Well, now we have to do Caveman as well. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> I think that's a Patreon film. It, oh, for you sure. know, it's a total Patreon film. Yeah, so Phil and I have like basically plotted out the rest of the 2022 episodes for the most part. I think the only thing we haven't really plotted out is around Christmas time, which we've got a couple episodes, but they, the rest of the films are going to be Christmas films. So the rest of our plans going forward, obviously we've said it over the last couple of weeks, the next few weeks of episodes are going to be vampires, witches and werewolves. Oh my, that's making a return for Halloween, the October month. But we have put out there that maybe we because we are going to return to the war season on the flip side that maybe we do more Vietnam films but Phil and I actually you know had a little conversation off air last week and the more I think about it the more I kind of want to like put a pen in Vietnam and say it's done for this war arc and just kind of finish mm. up the way we were going to. But there were a couple of war films, Vietnam war films that we hadn't touched on. And there was another idea that I'd come up with. For instance, one in particular was uh, The Deer Hunter, which is a film that Phil hasn't seen yet. And it's a great Vietnam war film. And it was a fucking big, massive movie. But I think like I might have had my fill of war for now, and I think maybe next year we should uh, pick back up with that. But do this other idea that I had. So 
um, if you're if you're really like gunning for us to do some more Vietnam films, um, just wait because this idea had I think is going to have a couple of chances to talk about maybe one or two Vietnam films plus some other stuff. So it's not all just war, uh, which is going to be interesting. But anyway, uh, I hope you guys have enjoyed the Vietnam films we have chosen. If we decide to pull an audible at the last minute and do more Vietnam War films, maybe. Um, but we'll, that's we'll our have a prerogative. Date. Yeah, that's our fucking prerogative. But if you we'll do, do want to scream at us, let us know. Um, but anyway, I've I've enjoyed doing the Vietnam War films because like Vietnam definitely does just you know gives you like some of the best fucking war movies. Like I don't know, they're just the best ones. They're more interesting ones. Uh, and I think we're gonna wrap up with only a couple more on after Halloween's over. And uh, mm. one's a stretch to even call it a war film, and the other is a, a modern war film that I've never seen before. So I'm like, just kind of, I don't know. I'm kind of curious about how it's gonna go down. So stay tuned for that. But like I said, next week we're getting into vampires, witches, and werewolves. Oh my! Oh my! And next week is vampires, and we've got a fun episode for you. So. Stay fucking tuned for From Dusk Till Dawn. Let's kill some fucking vampires. <laughs> this podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged in Copo Connections, A Drip Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews. And becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.